Grab your Bibles with me. Remain standing for just a brief moment. Genesis chapter 45, verse 7. We're just going to read one verse. Actually, we're going to read two words of one verse. Genesis chapter 45, and as you're turning there, I'm very excited about what God is doing here within the heart of the bay and revival that is taking place within Hayward. It's always great to be a part of it. Genesis chapter 45, verse 7. If you have it, say amen. amen. Verse 7 of the 45th chapter of Genesis says, But God. But God. Then it goes on to read, But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. But God. But God. God. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, but God. Then you may be seated. This morning, I want to talk to you about a man by the name of Joseph. Somebody say Joseph. Joseph was a man that was tormented and tortured through lie after lie after lie. Now, this is what was very important. It wasn't his lies. It was lies about him. Catch me with this. It wasn't his lies. It was lies about him. Have you ever been talked about before? Or, or let me put it to you this way. Have you ever been lied about before? Well, maybe you've never, but I've been lied about. People have said stuff that wasn't even true was not even the truth, but yet you have to live through that. And so many of us, many times within our lives, if we're honest, when somebody lies about us, the first thing that wants to come right back out, guess what? Is another lie. Or is another angry moment. Or is another oppressive time. Because you're feeling oppressed, so I need to oppress those right back. They lied about me, I'm going to lie about them. They gossip about me, I'm going to gossip about them. But here in this portion of Scripture... We see this man by the name of Joseph, where he was surrounded by people that wanted to kill him, wanted to embarrass him, wanted to demoralize him, and matter of fact, they even forgot about him. They forgot about who he was. Matter of fact, a lot of people say, man, it looked like even God forgot about him. But I want you to know something. God never forgot about him, and God never forgets about you. He will never forget about you. Tell your neighbor, God does not forget about you. Even in the quietest times of Joseph's life, God was still there. Even in the most silent times, God was still there. I heard somebody once say, I believe in the sun even if it isn't shining. I believe in love even when I am alone. And I believe in God even when he is silent. See, so many people have so many questions, and a lot of times within our lives, we're trying to figure out everything within our life and trying to even play God within our own lives, figuring, well, this is just the way that it is because of this, and well, this happened to me because of this, and so we're always trying to figure out God and why things happen, but I want you to know something. I heard somebody say this, don't question God because he just may reply. I don't know, in other words, I don't really know if you're ready for that answer. Because if you want to question him, he'll answer you, but be careful. Be careful. 
Listen, my friend, God will never leave you and never forsake you. Can I hear an amen? amen? Somebody also once said, if you're anxious for answers, just come up here then. In other words, if you really want to get an answer from God, get ready to die. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? I like what St. Augustine said. He said, God loves each and every one of us as if there were only one of us. The moment that we see and the accomplishments that we see of the life of Joseph go far beyond many other men and women in the Bible that kind of outweigh and outnumber so many that you would think this man never went through nothing. This man, by the name of Joseph, was young. At a young age, he was a dreamer. Somebody say dreamer. Matter of fact, a lot of people get the term God's favorite from the story and from the life of Joseph because he was his father's favorite. So people say, well, I'm God's favorite. Well, I want you to know something. Everybody's God's favorite. Amen? You could, you could personalize it if you want. I'm God's favorite, but everybody is. But that's actually, this is where we get it from, from the life of Joseph. He was a favorite of his father, Jacob, and he was given a coat of many colors. And even despite the opposition throughout his life, he was able to prosper in every position of his life, even when he went to prison. Think about that. He even prospered in prison. Anybody ever been to prison before? So you can kind of relate with this man, Joseph. See, Joseph was able to reach, even after he got out of prison, the second highest position in the land, which we would consider the vice president. And even the people of the land had sustained a large famine, but Joseph was there. Joseph is even mentioned in the very famous Hebrews chapter 11, what we call the Hall of Faith. But what was so great about Joseph? Not much greatness comes from the youngest of brothers. Now, this is very important. How many of you are the oldest of your siblings? You're the oldest. Okay. How many of you are the youngest? All the young, younger ones just looked at the older ones and went, I hate you. <laughs> because if you're the youngest, be honest, you, there's a different mindset. The oldest always has that, I'm the oldest, I give the pride of who I am, and I am responsible for every one of you stupid little idiots. Now, this is the funny thing. I don't know how that is. I don't know why that is. It just, it is. Joseph was the youngest of 11. 11. That's a lot. Now, there came another one later on, but in his life up to the point that we see here, he was the youngest. And what we find many times is that the oldest always has the attributes of the authority, of the leadership. I mean, oh, that, he's the one. That, that guy is, he's positioned to do something great. He's the oldest one. I mean, look at Jacob. Oh, oh man, oh, he, he's the youngest one. But Esau, his older brother, oh, no, no, he's got, he's the man, he's the hunter. He's got greatness. So when you look at the oldest one, you think right away, greatness. And you look at the youngest one and you go, well, let's see what he can do. Let's even see if he can make it, if he can make anything of himself. That's what we see here within Joseph. And if we look at this story, we, were to really, we could really ask ourselves, what's so special about the youngest of the, this band of brothers? Now, really quickly, the life of Joseph, this is the, kind of the, the story in a nutshell. He went from a pit to the Potiphar's house, then he went to prison, then he went to the palace. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. He went from the pit, then he went to prison, 
or excuse me, then went to Potiphar's house, then from Potiphar's house, he got lied about, then he went to prison, then from prison, got forgotten, forgotten about, but then they got remembered, then he went to the palace. In other words, through all those things, it was a process. Some of you might find yourself right now in the pit. Don't worry about it. There's a palace on the way. Some of you right now find, might find yourself in a Potiphar's house. Don't worry about it. The palace is on the way. Some of you right now might find yourself in a prison. Don't worry about it. There's a palace on the way. But you got to go through the process. Somebody say process. Such a dynamic life that in the book here that we find in Genesis, 14 chapters are dedicated to the life of Joseph. We learn about him, the dreamer. We learn about him, the slave boy. We learn about him, the handsome, young, lusted after, falsely accused servant. We learn about Joseph, the dreamer, who interpreted uh, dreams for inmates. Then we even learn about Joseph, how he interprets a major dream for the most powerful man in the land, and that's Pharaoh. And even that dream exalts his position from prisoner to second in command. And because of this dream, he prepares the people of the land for the hardship that is to come. Now look in Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. We're going real quick because I want to get somewhere. Joseph named his firstborn, it says right here in Genesis 41, Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of suffering. This is a heavy statement. He named his children after the suffering of his life. Think about that. See, many of us, we don't want to hear even the name of our exes. All right, translated in the Greek is amen. Right? Let's be honest. I don't want to hear that name. Don't say that name. Don't, like some of you even hear a name go, wait, is that? No, it can't be. Not that person. Because all of a sudden a name brings things back. And it brings, many times it brings back negative responses, negative attitudes, ne negative perspectives. And, but all of a sudden here's Joseph. He flips that negativity into something godly. And he says, I understand all the suffering I went through. And so because of that, I'm going to name my children the suffering of the man of who I am. I am today the man that I am because the suffering that I went through back then. Can I hear an amen? Listen to me. Your dreams of tomorrow are being written by your battles of today. What you're going through right now is for the greatness that's being set up for you tomorrow. Listen, I know not everything is great right now. I know you ain't got a whole lot of money in your bank account. I know all, not all your children are listening to you right now. Not all your coworkers and not all your family like you. But I want you to know something. What you're going through right now, God's got a great plan for you in the tomorrow. But you just got to get out of that pit. Get out of that prison. Get out of Potiphar's house and say, God, I want to go to the palace because I got a dream. I I've got a vision, and I know you got a plan. Can I hear an amen? God's got something for you. I know you may be going through it. I know you may be feeling it, but your dreams of tomorrow are being written by your battles of today. Now, the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife is a very popular one. Joseph worked for Potiphar, and Potiphar had a cougar wife. Man. 
Now, what we see here in this story is that she sees a new, handsome young man working for her husband. So when she sees him, she sees him lustfully. So when she sees him lustfully, she wants him internally lustfully. On the inside, lustfully. But the thing is that lust from the inside converted to the outside. This is not on my notes, but be careful what you desire on the inside. Be careful. So here we see Potiphar's wife. She wants him lustfully from the inside, converts it to the outside. Then all of a sudden, because she's already wrong on the inside, Joseph, the Bible says, that he gets the heaven out of there. Or should I say, gets hell out of there. He didn't want, even want, I don't even want no part of hell. I don't want, no, no, I need to get out of here. So he leaves. Now, this is the thing. Here's where the story gets interesting. He runs out of the room. But as he runs out of the room, the Bible says that she grabs his cloak. She grabs his garment. There's a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different analogies that are in that, in the garment. Right? You and I, we have, we put on the garment of praise. There's so many different things that you learn about the garment. I'm telling you, it's very, very important. Old Testament and New Testament. But here we see her, she grabs the garment and she takes it. And so she uses that to go to her husband and say, look, see, he tried to rape me. Falsely accusing him of something he didn't do. My father used to always talk about that he was in prison with a bunch of guys that didn't do anything. I didn't do it. This guy next to me, he, he, he's the one that should be in here, not me. This man actually had a true story. I should have never been in here. So because of the false accusation, he has to go to prison. Now, in this prison, he meets a guy. Everybody in prison always knows a guy. I know a guy. I got a guy. Yeah, and half the time, that guy is always Greg. Amen. I know a guy. Greg's always got to come in the sermon somewhere. He's always in there. Well, he finds a guy that has a dream, and Joseph interprets the dreams, one for a baker and even one for a cupbearer. It's kind of like the movie Goodwill Hunting. You guys ever seen that movie? Oh, that's a great movie. You ever get a chance to watch that? And in that movie, it's, he, he's a janitor, but he's a janitor at the most prestigious school in America. Like, you could be a janitor anywhere in the world. Why are you being a janitor in the most prestigious? You could be a prisoner anywhere in the world, but you're a prisoner in the king's palace. Out of all the prisons, you're in this one. Something's going on here. So what happens is, he interprets these dreams. After he interprets them, the cupbearer was released, but he forgot about Joseph. Two years later, the pharaoh has a dream, and then the cupbearer remembers. Oh, I remember my guy, that guy. I, everybody has a guy. I remember that guy. Remember we were locked up together. That guy. So, but the thing is, it was two years later. He tells the pharaoh about a guy who can interpret dreams. Joseph then gets released and interprets the dream. Then he becomes second in command in all the land. And his dreams from years prior start to come to pass. The interpretation of pharaoh's dreams had him prepare for the people, the famine. However, the famine was so widespread that it hit thousands around Egypt. So what happened? What did they do? They came to Pharaoh for food. Now, this is the thing. When everybody all around the land had the famine, guess where they had to come? To Pharaoh. And now, guess who's in charge of the famine in the land? Joseph. 
Joseph is now in charge. In other words, this is probably one of the best soap operas you'll ever read in your life. You don't need a novella. You don't need the Avengers. You don't need, uh, you know, Star Wars. Like, you don't need any of that. Read the life of Joseph. It's like the greatest soap opera ever. This guy goes in a pit, which his brothers throw him into. They lie to their dad about him. Then they sell him to these passerbyers. The passerbyers then take this slave boy and put him in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife then grabs the garment, lies about the rape. Potiphar gets upset, throws him into prison, gets him into the prison. They're of the king's prison. Then he starts interpreting dreams. The homies are like, hey, man, I got you. Don't worry about it. As soon as I get out, we're good to go. They get released. They forget about him for two years for something that he didn't do. Then he's there. Then finally the Pharaoh has a dream. One of the cupbearers, oh, yeah, I got a homie. He can interpret dreams. Go get the guy. Comes out, interprets the dream. After he interprets the dream for the king, for the Pharaoh, for the president, this guy says, hey, you are so good. I'm going to make you second in command. So now Joseph is second in command of everyone. The famine in the land strikes, then everybody must come to the Pharaoh. So now, this is the story. Look with me here in Genesis chapter 44. We're going to start in verse 11. Genesis 44. Are you guys with me here this morning? Verse 11. We're going to read this. If you don't have a Bible, just look up at the screen. We have it right here. Because I want to make sure that we go along these stories. This is better than any Harry Potter. This is better than any, you know, uh, what's that, you know, the, the dark moon or the, the wolf's twilight. There you go. It's better than any of that stuff. Verse 11. We're going to read for a little bit. This is very important. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Now, really quick, each of them is the brothers. They're in front of their youngest brother, Joseph. But the thing is, they don't recognize him. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. The cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, what is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord, Judah replied? What can we say? Now, this is very important. When it says Judah replied, who's Judah? Judah's the oldest. He's the one that speaks on behalf of the brothers. I'm in charge. Whatever I say goes. But the thing is, Judah, does not, the oldest, does not recognize the youngest. He says, what can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you, go back to your father in peace. Now, this is very important. Who's their father? His father. This is their brothers. Their brothers right here. So this is very, you see the soap opera unfolding right now? They don't recognize. How come? How, you can't recognize. Now remember, when he was their youngest brother, he, he was very, very young when he became a slave. 
So all of a sudden, now he's a man. Think of it. You guys just saw the kids right here. Many of them, that's your mini-me's. They look exactly like you when you were that young. But then all of a sudden, you ever notice with your nephews and nieces, years go by, and you, don't, you go, oh, my gosh, look at you. I didn't even recognize you. Then Judah went up to him and said, pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, do you have a father or brother? And we answered, we we have an aged father, and there was a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Okay, really quick. When he left, he didn't have a younger brother. So all of a sudden, Joseph is now finding out he has a younger brother. He was the youngest. So when he got sold, that's, that's what they thought. He's now finding out, oh my gosh. There's another one of me. He's, more, he's one of the most powerful men in the land. Watch what he does. He says, Then Judah went up to him, pardon your servant. Oh, we have a, here we go. His brother is dead, and he's the only one of his mother's son left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, verse 21, bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. Wait a second. You sold me and the father didn't die. How come all of a sudden you love this younger one more than me? Do you see all this stuff happening? His father will die. But you told your, but you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what the Lord had said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us, we will go. We cannot see the man's face unless our younger brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, he has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave of misery. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that this boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as the Lord's slave. Place the boy, uh, place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. This is very important. Everything that Judah was saying here is what Joseph wanted to hear all his life. Do you see how Judah's protecting? Protecting him. Getting him. Securing him. This is our youngest brother. If he leaves us, there is shame. That is everything that Joseph wanted to hear all his life. The things that he was hearing. See, some of you right now, You've been wanting to hear these protective words all your life. I'm there with you. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Especially those of you that were the youngest. I got you. See, some of you, you, you were the youngest and your older brothers and sisters, all they do is mess with you. They would take off and they would leave you there. 
Why can't I go? How come I can't be a part? I want to do that. I want to be there. And so you start wanting to act out. You start doing things and saying things that you normally wouldn't do, but it's all because you just wanted security and protection from your family. Everything that Judah was saying here is what Joseph wanted to hear all his life. Look at me in verse 1 of the very next chapter. It says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Think about this. He finally reveals himself to his brothers. This has to be a surreal moment. I mean, you have not seen your brothers for over 20 years. Think about this. Some of you have not seen your family for over 20 years. Long time. There is so much stuff that has happened. Some of you have been in the pit. Some of you have been in Potiphar's wife, uh, in Potiphar's palace. Some of you have been in, in prison. Some of you have been in places where you know that, man, I shouldn't be. But all of a sudden now, you're in the palace. But people remember you as the person in the pit. That's how they remember you. They remember you when you were all messed up. They remember you when you were all jacked up. When every word out of your, every other word out of your mouth was a cuss word. Every other desire out of your life was fleshly. That's how they remember you. Then all of a sudden, the change gets revealed to Joseph. I mean, think about this moment. I'm telling you, this is better than any Twilight, better than any other book, better than any romance. This is better, I'm telling you. Here's Joseph now, and he says, look, the one that you sold, the one that you left, the one that you put in the pit, that was me. The Bible says that the brothers couldn't believe it. No, no way. He's dead. That guy's dead. He's gone. He shouldn't be here. But all of a sudden, True character came out at that very moment. Look with me in verse 5. This is very important. Genesis chapter 45, verse 5. It says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no more plowing or reaping. But God. Somebody say, but God. Somebody say, but God. It says, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. Listen to me. All the things that he went through was not because of his brothers. It was because of God. God knew what he was doing throughout all the drama he was going through. Listen to me. Some of you right now, you want to get rid of the drama. I say no. Some of you want to vent the drama. Well, you should see, and you, man, you go all over that Facebook, get all over that stuff, and you snap everything. Well, guess what? No. You don't get rid of it. That drama's in your life for a reason. 
That pit is in your life for a reason. People talking about you, it's for a reason. People hating on you, it's for a reason. I know you may not like it. I know it may not feel the best. I know people lying about you, accusing you, telling you stuff that's not right, telling you uh, false things and accusations, but I'm telling you, you need to realize what Joseph was going through. And he said, everything I went through was not your fault, Mom. It was not your fault, Dad. It was not your fault, Brother. It was not your fault, Sister. It was God. God brought me here. God knew what he was doing. See, Joseph operated with a divine perspective. Some of you here this morning, you need to have a divine perspective. Understanding that everything that you went through was on purpose for a purpose. I know you may not like it. I know it doesn't feel good. But there's a purpose to your process. Can I hear an amen? See, Joseph understood what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. To preserve lives. See, my friend, greatness is revealed mainly in our attitudes and our perspectives. See, listen, if you, think, if you think greatness is about the success with your hands, then, my friend, you're in for a rude awakening. Greatness comes from powerful attitudes and humility and forgiveness towards your neighbor. Thomas Jefferson said, when the heart is right, the feet are swift. When the heart is right, the feet are swift. In other words, when you have a heavy heart, it's hard to move. It's hard to go places. And I can't forgive him. I can't forgive her. You should know what they did to me. But you don't understand, Pastor. But you should see what they have done. How they talked about me. How they messed with me. You don't understand. God says, I'm not here to understand. I'm here for you to understand. Everything that you've been through is for a purpose. It's not for him to understand. It's for us to understand. To get a divine purpose. Can I hear an amen? amen? Divine purpose and divine perspective. See, what we see here from Joseph's attitude, and I close with this, is one, by faith, I see God's hands. See, Joseph said time and time again, God sent me. Think about this. God sent me. God sent me. L listen, your parolee didn't send you there. God sent you there. Listen, listen, listen. Your ex-husband didn't send you there. God sent you there. Your ex-wife, listen to me. Well, if she wouldn't, no, 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 stop that. Stop. Well, it's, it's her kids. Those are his kids. And if they wouldn't, no, stop, 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 stop. God knows exactly what he's doing with you. He knows exactly what he's doing. You may not like it, but God knows exactly what he's doing with you. See, Joseph's attitude was God sent me. When people talk about you, hey, praise the Lord, God knows what he's doing with me. I'm glad that you're, I'm even good enough for you to talk about. Amen. I'm glad I was on your heart. Good job. Good job, God. See, we live in a generation where we have the mentality, keep my name out your mouth. Right? Let's be honest. Hey, you keep, keep your name out, my, out your mouth. Ooh, what's up? You want to talk? You want to talk? Yeah, let's talk. I'll talk about you on Facebook. Sometimes I think Facebook's the devil. It's not, but I'm just saying, like, 
Everything is good in moderation, the Bible talks about. So just make sure you do that correctly. So a lot of times we have the attitude and the mindset, especially the way that we grew up in the neighborhood and the, and the places and the people that grew up around us. That's how we think. Keep my name out your mouth. Actually, you should know this. If people are talking about you, good. Yeah. Amen. Thanks. Oh, I'm so, thank you. Thank you. Like, do you see the attitude shift? Now, this is very important. It's not one of those, like, you have to know what, what you're doing because I'm telling you what to do. You need to know why. If you don't understand the why, you'll never understand what is happening. Are you hearing me? If you don't understand the why, you will never understand what is happening. And so Joseph understood it, and he said, God sent me here. When you sold me in the pit, God understood that. God put me there. When I went to prison, God put me there. I didn't like it. It wasn't fair. It wasn't even right. But God knew what he was doing. Everything that you're going through, God knows. Can I hear an amen? amen? See, it's all about the perspective. I see God's hand. Samuel Grafton once said, a penny will hide the biggest star in the universe if you hold it close enough to your eye. It's all about perspective. The second thing is that by faith, I sense God's hand. I sense God's hand. In other words, in every place that he went, he grew. Listen to me. Some of you are thinking, because you already know the end of the story, and so you're already thinking, man, I can't wait for the palace. Man, the palace is going to be great. Oh, I'm going to be so giddy. I'm going to jump like Pastor Stevon's feet. I don't even know what he's doing. Look at that. I can't wait for the palace. You still got to grow in the pit. You still got to grow in the pit. The, the palace is worthless if you don't understand the value of the pit. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. you know, look, at, listen to me, it's very important. You're going to be a child of God, but a childish of God. Spoiled brat when you get in the palace if you don't understand the value of the pit. Joseph understood and he sensed the hand of God everywhere he went. Listen to me, grow where you're planted. You may not like it, it may not feel good. But you got to grow. Tell your neighbor, grow. grow. See, you and I have to know that God put us there for a reason. There is a purpose. You are there for a purpose, on purpose. Mary Crowley said, every evening I turn my worries over to God. Besides, he's going to be up all night anyways. Listen, some of you here every night, don't keep that worry on. Don't keep that depression on. Don't keep that oppression on. You got to give it to God and say, God, I need to get rid of this so that I can grow in this. Some of you right now are in a pit. You're in a prison. You're in a place where you cannot fully understand. But if you're going to grow, you got to give it to God. Sense the hand of God even in your circumstance. Can I hear an amen? And the third one and the last one is by faith. I accept the process. I accept the process. If you and I can learn to have the right response, even in the wrong treatment, you and I can become a trophy of grace. I love that right there. A trophy of grace. A trophy of grace. My prayer is that when people see me, even I do those humorous videos sometimes, and I'll do those things, and I love to have fun, and people look at, oh, best of all, he's so funny. I, what I really pray is that they could see a trophy of grace. That when they see me, 
whether I'm upset, whether I'm happy, whether I'm going through it, whether everything's good and great, that they would see a trophy of grace. Listen to me. This is very, very important. What you're going through today, what you're struggling with today, is going to be a joyful, joyful, joyful story tomorrow. A joyful story tomorrow. But you and I have to understand that, hey, I just need to accept this process. It's been very difficult, very hard. The things that you and I go through are very difficult and very hard. I look at Pastor Daryl and Gloria and I go, man, I don't even know how they do half the stuff they do. I don't fully understand that process. I mean, having a, a daughter who had to go through so many surgeries at a young age, the doctors even telling them, uh, your daughter is not going to live. She has to, and if she does, she's not going to have a great life. I mean, this is coming from doctors, educated, well-educated, people you look up to. Sorry, your life is going to be horrible. Sorry, your life is going to be miserable. That's what, basically what they were telling him. You're going to have a miserable life. And all of a sudden, that, let's be honest, that can kind of get you down. Oh, man, what should we do? I can't bear this. Can you do it? I don't know if I can do it. So all of a sudden, and if we're honest, that makes you feel like giving up. I don't need to do this. What do I got to do it for? But all of a sudden, day after day, month after month, year after year, one of the greatest praisers of our church is Angel. She can praise and worship the Lord like nobody else. But I'm telling you, it would not happen if she didn't have parents that could stick out the struggle of yesterday for the praise of today. Some of you right now are going through things where you feel like, I feel like giving up. Can't do this anymore. Let somebody else bear this burden. Let somebody else go through this. God says, no, I know what you're going through. I need you to see me in it so I can take you through it. Some of the things that many of you guys have been through as it comes to the piano, some of the things that you guys have been through have been very difficult. Yesterday we did our drama shotgun. And when we were doing our drama shotgun, it was a powerful, powerful time. But before that, I had a couple, and I'm going to share this, because he said it. I didn't even know that. And when he shared it, I was just kind of very, actually very shocked by Brother Vince. I know he's back there around here somewhere. I don't know where he's at. But Brother Vince was sharing his testimony. And as he was sharing his testimony, it kind of blew me away. Whoa, never heard that before. Because this testimony, one of these days, maybe I'll just have him share it. And he was sharing his testimony, and sharing all these things, and all of a sudden he goes, I don't know if my pastor knows. Because his life, he was a player. That was his thing. He was a baseball player and a player of the girls. That was his life. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it was just Sido came out, but he goes, man, he goes, I've had to live with the fact that the women I've been with have had 15 abortions. When he said that, I said, whoa. Whoa, you just don't come out and say that. It's not something you just come out and say, hey, I just want you to know. It's not something you just, that, that was heavy. So when he said that, I was like, man, taken back. But I like what he said after that. He said, I know that God has forgiven me. I know that God has forgiven me and given me a purpose and a plan for my life. Listen to me. I know everything that you've been through is not all sunshines and rainbows. 
I know everything that you've been through, you can't dance through every storm. Matter of fact, some of the storms you've been through, you've had to really get on your knees. You've had to really get in there. Even when your husband's not around, your wife is not around, some of you single parents have had to do things and go through the extra struggles that many others haven't. I understand that. But the perspective and the attitude that Joseph had said, look, everything that I went through, everything that I felt, every pain that was in my heart, but God. I've been going through it, but God. I've been feeling hurt, but God. I've been lied about, but God. I've been falsely accused, but God. I've been feeling like giving up, but God. I've been feeling like I can't make it, but God. But I'm the youngest of my brothers and sisters, but God. I have nothing to offer, but God. But God. You don't need to have a lot of money. You don't need to have a lot of talent. You don't need to have a lot of giftings. All you need to do is have the right perspective, the right heart, but God. My prayer here today, with your average heart, I'm praying and I'm believing for revival, but this is very important to me, to me, the revival. I don't want to have a great revival and we're moving and things are happening. People are going, but then all of a sudden, as we're going, as things are moving, we are looking up and we're looking to the heavenlies and we're shouting and we're praising. But then all of a sudden, because the moment comes in a revival, it happens everywhere. The moment comes where all of a sudden we're revival. Oh man, just things that are happening. We look to our left, and all of a sudden, the bitterness and the hatred that we've had for our brother just stops all revival, stops all flow. Listen to me here, Victory Outreach. Whatever you have against your brother or sister, I'm not telling you you need to let it go. I'm not going to tell you. I'll let the Word of God show you. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Because you could tell me, and I'll probably reason with you, and if you, if you know me, you'll probably take advantage of my pastoral heart. Like, oh, I understand. I get it. But when you read the Scriptures, there's nothing like that, Really? God is a God of grace and mercy, but he's also a God of judgment. That you and I have to understand, if we're going to look like God, we have to be able to act like him. I'm a Christian. Okay, then do you forgive your brother? I love God. Do you love your sister? I love my Savior. A lot of scriptures talk about it. How can you love a God? who you cannot see, yet hate your brother, who you interact with every day. But you don't know, they cuss me out, so. But you don't know, they flip me off, so. But you don't know, they were talking about me, so. But you don't know what they did to my parents like 20 years ago, so. Well, you should have known, they tried to do the... I, 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 understand what, I understand your pain. I do. But do you understand his power? Do you understand his presence? Do you understand his love? I'm going to make an altar call. I'm going to make an altar call. But this is what I want to do. This, I don't want this to be the normal altar call. I want this to be the kind of altar call that you need to be honest. If you have some hatred or bitterness towards someone that you have not forgiven... 
today's going to be your day. You got to forgive them. You have to. You got to forgive them. I don't, I don't know. Maybe some of you, it's your mom. Maybe some of you, it's your dad. Maybe some of you, it's your dad because you didn't have a dad. So you have this, oh, if I were to ever meet my dad, mm, I don't know what I would do. That's what Joseph did. I'll tell you what he did. 20 years he didn't see his dad. 20 years he didn't see his brothers. And he had that one moment he could have killed them all. He actually legally, listen, legally, he could have just killed them all. Had them all killed. And he didn't even need the reason that happened. But he didn't. See, some of you, you have this. Think about this. I'm going to ask you the question. The person that you have something against, if you were to see them face to face, what would you do? Would you give them a piece of your mind? Would you tell them off? Oh, man, if I ever see her, oh, she don't know. If I ever see him, oh, man, he's, he's lucky he don't see me. He don't want to see me. Joseph. He was actually waiting. I can't wait to forgive them. Oh, man, that's powerful. Think about that. Some of us, we can't wait for them to, to get them. We can't wait for God to get them. Here's Joseph. I can't wait to forgive them. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Some of you here this morning, you got to open up your arms. Open up your heart and say, I forgive you. I don't like what you did to me. Whether you did it on purpose, whether you did it on accident, I forgive you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to give you an opportunity right here, right now for forgiveness. We're just going to have the piano play. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have the piano play. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to forgive somebody right now. To forgive your mom, forgive your dad, forgive your co-worker, forgive your brother, forgive your husband, forgive your wife, forgive your children. I give you an opportunity to stand before your brothers and forgive them. That's a mark of a true Christian. You want to be a follower of Christ? Be a forgiver of man. Follower of Christ? Be a forgiver of man. Some of you probably just need to forgive people because you know they're hating you. You don't even know why. Don't hate them back. Hate upon hate does not beget love.